Welcome everyone to CDO's Magazine series of one-on-one -on -one interviews with CDOs, data leaders, and key influencers. I'm your host, Robert Lutton, Vice President Sandal Consultants, and I'm coming to you today from Toronto, Canada, working with the CDO Magazine. Today, I've got the pleasure of introducing Brian Evergreen. Brian is the founder and CEO of The Profitable Good Company, and is best known for his work advising Fortune 500 executives on artificial intelligence strategy. Brian is also the author of the upcoming book, Autonomous Transformations, creating a more human future in the era of artificial intelligence. So welcome, Brian. Thank you very much, Robert. It's great to be here. What strategies might data leaders employ to create the culture of innovation and adaptability that you talked about, along for the successful integration of AI initiatives? The first one I would say is to stop problem solving. Just stop problem solving. Very difficult to do, right? So, you know, <laughs> we're geared towards that, right? You know, I, what's yes. the problem that let's solve it, right? So how do we exactly. get outside of that box? Yes. Right? So, and, and I have an answer for you. And I will say that it is something that I'm recontextualizing from systems thinking from, right. you know, a while ago. It's not something that I first came up with. Um, but I'm sort of recontextualizing and adding some of my own flavor to it, which is that instead of problem solving, which starts with what do we need to get rid of, which doesn't getting rid of something doesn't necessarily get you what you do want, right? Getting rid of what you don't want doesn't get you what you do want. And so if you're starting with, okay, what if you're, if you're in 19, the early 1900s and you own a carriage company and you've got horse and buggy and you're looking for what problems you need to solve, you might be making them more aerodynamic. You might try to figure out how to, how, the perfect feeding rhythm for the horses, et cetera, right? Um, as opposed to what I what I've proposed in the book, which is future solving. So if you're solving for the future, that's a different orientation of saying, what future do we want to go toward? And and what would have to be true for us to arrive at that future? And you can work backwards and do back backwards planning to get all the way back to where you are today. And you might still be solving problems along the way, but you might also be creating something completely new and, and migrating your customers over to the new thing. And so that's the first thing, the first step. And if you notice, you know, I don't, I don't know if you felt this, usually when I talk about future solving, I think most people that I've spoken with, the feedback I've gotten is that that's interesting and, and that they would feel inspired working within an organization that's right. that future focused. The truth is we're all solving for some future every day, whatever, whatever future that might be. And, and so this just, by placing that emphasis on it and giving visibility to it, to your organization of saying, okay, we're trying to go toward a future where let's say there's no child labor in our supply chain and it's guaranteed, right? Even though we don't have, obviously at the, where we are downstream, we don't have any children working for us upstream. Right. We want to be able to guarantee it, right? People can get excited about that, right? And then working backwards from that saying, okay, these are that these are all the things that would have to be true for us to be able to say, certifiably that there's no, that that doesn't ha exist. And then those are become a, a series of theories. And then if you imagine a decision tree, um, and I have a visual for that in the book for, for those that are interested, but a series of hypotheses that then you can, instead of focusing on, okay, these are our, imagine from a strategy perspective, these are our three initiatives we're focused on. This is the ROI we're anticipating within this timeline. This is the next milestone. We're kind of used to that. That's not always necessarily very exciting in the right. left work is left to the individual to try to find meaning in that to right. some degree. 
If instead you say, this is the future that we're focused on. These are the theories of what we believe would have to be true for us to arrive at that future. These are all the hypotheses that bubble up to those theories. And right now we're investing in improving or disproving these three hypotheses. That, and, do, you know, do, you, do, you, do you actually discuss, Amy, because you're, you're right. As soon as you mention future solving and you reverse engineer future solving, do you actually discuss that in the book? Is that yes. Yep. It's, it's very powerful. Very powerful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's the first one I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so moving on to our final stage, uh, you know, and, and this is interesting. You mentioned at the beginning of the, uh, the interview, right, which is evolving from a data-driven to a reason-driven organization. And I actually hadn't heard that before. And I thought, well, we haven't even got most of the organization to become data-driven yet. And here right. you're talking about how an organization can become reason-driven. Can you explain what you mean by that, right? Yes, absolutely. So, and, and that thing I just outlined about the theories and the hypotheses yep. is actually in that chapter that talks about, in the part of the, the sort of focus on being reason-driven instead of data-driven. Because in a data-driven mindset, the, the, the joke I sometimes make is that data is like a taxi driver that only knows where you've already been. So right. if you want to go somewhere new, it doesn't know how to go there. It can project what might happen if all the conditions were the same and you went there, but it can't actually tell you definitively. It's not scientific to say that it can tell you what will happen, what it will be like. And so what I what I've proposed, I think reason. So so if you think about data driven as a machine centric where humans sort of dance around the outside and say, well, I've pulled so many times we had leaders say, well, I agree with the reasoning of this vision that you've set forward but the numbers don't work. I need you to go fix this, this, and this. And then what we're really doing is we're abdicating the risk that we're taking and the um, authority to the data in a way, right? Because we're saying, well, the data said this and then it didn't work out. It was the data. Right. As opposed to saying, as a right, some degree, instead of saying as a leader, I agree with Robert's reasoning on why we should do this now, why this is important for our organization, this is this is the investment decision that I'm making. And yeah, that takes more personal risk. That takes sure. more vulnerability because then you can be wrong. You can have thought about it wrong or, or, you know, have had a great idea that, you know, even though it was executed well and it was a great idea, just didn't work out in the market. And, you know, that's true. And and part of that is that we're we're we exist in a system that only. And most organizations that I have yet to hear of any that are doing otherwise. So correct me if you if you know of any, but that only account for acts of commission. So if I'm given four options and I say I'm going to pick option number one, which is the most risk averse and the least innovative option and the least potential ROI. But I know it. I know it'll work. Now, I as a leader, next time we talk about promotion or bonuses. Hey, look, I've got this solid track record. I've only picked winners. Right. But we're, what we're not accounting for is what are those other three options that I as a leader had that I passed on? And if we if we log that at the same time and then on a yearly or, or half yearly basis, go back and say, oh, wait a minute, the, our competitors picked option B and now they're soaring ahead of us. So that actually that leader, due to their risk adversity, they actually made the wrong choice. And so this idea of being data driven in this mindset where in this organizational context where we're only accounting for risks taken and not all the risks not taken, I think is it sort of sets us up to sort of kill innovation 
in, in, for lack of a better phrase. So um, in yeah. my mind, you know, when you talk about, you know, the data driven, you've got the machine in the center and the humans on the outside. Uh, but what came to mind when you talk about reasoning first is the data leader creating innovation. I, that, that's where, you know, uh, the West, uh, globally, you know, new insights are coming from innovation. So in a way, those innovative discoveries that we've had are based upon a reasoning first objective. They just yes. may not have termed it that way, right? Yes. So, uh, but very, very, very interesting. And again, it, it maps to this uh, autonomous, uh, you know, future that you, uh, uh, you, you're bringing into the forefront. So we only got a couple of minutes left. I just want to make sure I get these uh, key points out for you sure. and uh, and the community. Uh, you know, in your opinion, how can data leaders ensure that the insights that are derived from the data, you know, if they're going to become reason driven, are communicated and understood across the organization? So for that, I would say that all data leaders need a storytelling framework. Right. That's the first thing I'd say. So if you're a data leader and for whatever reason you feel like we have the insights, but no one's basing their decision based off, the problem isn't that you need to go make even better insights. The problem is that they either don't believe you, they don't trust you, they don't, you know, they're they're not, you know, whatever that pithy, you know, line right. that they're looking for to make their decision is not landing with them. So it's a communication problem. It's not a data problem. You don't need to go back and get better data or get... You need to find out and back to that empathy, right? What it, what is that person that's for whatever reason not basing their decision based off of the data that you're trying to give them? What what is what's holding them back? What is it that they need to see? So some leaders might you might want us, and I write about this a little bit in the book. Some leaders, if you're if, if they're really conversational and you're shooting them a daily report that's just you know maybe it's a five bulleted agenda of the updated you know sorts of data. That might not work for them. It, they it might be better to assign an analyst that hops on a fifteen-minute call and does a quick readout with them and answers a couple questions, or you know, takes an assignment of something they're going to go research for them. Um, even though, yeah, there's a cost perspective there, but that might be way more effective in in keeping a strong relationship and helping really, you know, be a partner for that leader. Um, other other parts might be, you know, have a BI or data background and want to get into that self-service tool and, and do all their filtering and sorting for themselves. So I think starting with understanding your audience. And then the other thing I'd say is not putting the data or yourself as the hero of the story. The person making the decision needs to understand that they are the hero or they're the person that could be the hero. And here's the tools, here's the direction, here's the tools you need to go to go lead that transformation or, or achieve that outcome. Um, and that that's going to be much more effective. And I, I love the uh, the fact that you, know, you talk about the storytelling framework. Uh, so last question, you know, based upon all your experience, based upon where we are today, any kind of uh, future crystal ball gazing as to what's coming down the line? Are, are we really going to get into, you know, the... Uh, the uh, the strong AIs where the uh, you know you see uh, Boston Dynamics with their automated uh, robots and and things like that. What, what's what do you see in the next five or ten years? Like you know any insights that you can share with us? I what I would say is that one I do not see a extinction risk for us as people. 
Right. I, I'm still seeking to understand sort of those that are that are posing that. Um, at, at best, I for that theory, I would say that it may be based on bad action by humans that are leveraging AI that could lead to some kind of greater risk. Sure. But not yeah. the idea that that AGI is anywhere in sight. Um, that's not just my own opinion. That's basically everyone in the field yep. that I you know have worked with. Um, and so. And so that'd be the first thing I would say. The second thing I'd say in terms of crystal ball or what we're going to see, I think that we're going to see generative AI, the hype cycle, we're going to follow it more quickly, sure. maybe the average right. hype yeah. cycle. Yeah. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see the ways that that hopefully my hope is that organizational leaders see that as a, as a great pawn on the chessboard, um, but that there's a lot of other pieces, even just within AI, let alone, sure. you know, different ways that you can transform. So I, I would say that within speaking to five, uh, five to 10 years, like you said, from an autonomous transformation point, I've yet to see an organization that's truly achieved an autonomous transformation, um, which we didn't even really get into very much, but you know, um, that's why they got to buy the book. That's why that, there you go. Yeah. Maybe that was on purpose No, but, um, but I think we will see, start to see as um, different breakthroughs take place from an autonomy perspective, like the Boston robotics and like the things that, you know, the different organizations are focused on within that space, get to that point of breakthroughs. I think we're going to have an iPhone moment the same way that, you know, Steve jobs in 2007, even though general magic had the idea, you know, yeah. much, much yeah. earlier, the right pieces weren't all in place to have that iPhone moment then. And then I think we're going to see something in the next five to 10 years where the different combinations of being able to help drones land autonomously or help, you know, machines do things, you know, throughout household chores, the things that we're seeing people kind of researching now, and they're putting out these, these wonderful videos of initial skill sets, right? Um, I think we're going to see some organization, it might be a new company or it might be an existing, I don't know, I can't predict yep. that, but I think we're going to have an iPhone moment of of a machine that has reached a level of autonomy that can take on transactional work um, that will be that that doesn't necessarily that doesn't I don't think it'll be a job replacing type of uh, functionality I think it'll be more just human experience enhancing because that what would that's what would sell much more than a job replacing and the job replacing type of technology is so specific to each company and and all of their organizational context so I think we'll see more of a consumer application come out first that people will say, wow, that's like the iPhone moment, or that's like streaming. That's it's, it's going to change the paradigm. I think we'll see a lot of paradigm changes coming out in the next five to 10 years. Uh, Brian, I'd like to thank you for your time today. I know we didn't get into uh, discussing much of the actual book, but it is, uh, it's on the uh, Amazon. You can pre-order it. It's coming out, uh, I believe, August 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, so on behalf of the CD Magazine, we appreciate you providing your thoughts and, and interpretations of how data leaders could be able to leverage autonomous transformations. And we hope that your book is a huge success and that we'll have you coming back and share your knowledge again on how harnessing artificial intelligence with its adjunct technology for the betterment of not only the organization, but also the world. Thank you very much. I, I hope so too. And uh, if, if so, I'll look forward to speaking with you again, Robert. Uh, me too. Uh, it was a wonderful interview. And for our listeners, please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews. Thank you.